You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast tonight. This is your host and founder, Andre Ebron. And tonight we have such an awesome guest. Uh, before I go into introducing my guest, who was one of my childhood friends, we grew up in the same city. I want to talk to you about supporting your local authors. I think it is extremely important that if you know somebody that has written a book, what's interesting is you can learn so much about them and you've been living right next door to them. You grew up with them, but you have no idea of all of the hidden gems and wisdom uh, that is hidden within them. But if you buy their book, you'll get a chance to support them and also learn a little bit about them and help yourself along your journey. So I'm going to go ahead and advocate for some books that are out there for some people that are in the uh, Metro Detroit area. And then we'll go into this newly released author who's my friend, um, you know, and we'll we'll talk about some really deep things tonight. You'll definitely be glad you tuned in. So Tanisha Johnson, C. Johnson, she was on the show last week with Marriage Uncut 2, Straight Talk, No Chaser. Uh, of course, my pastor, the chief apostle, Dr. Carolee Dixon, with 60 Seconds Inspirational Minutes. Uh, my friend who was on the podcast and also part of the drawing board experience, the plant-based foodie, uh, 50 Comfort Classic Recipes for the Plant-Based Foodie in You, Lisa Angel Smith. Of course, everybody knows uh, Brother Jason Wilson with Cry Like a Man, Fighting for Freedom from Emotional Incarceration. Uh, my good brother who's been on the podcast as well, Activate 50 Principles That Will Help You Lead with Confidence, Brother Jesse Cole, Patrice Johnson with My Father's Kingdom, the second edition. She's been on the podcast as well. Good success. God's blueprint for successful living. Uh, Pastor DeAndre uh, Riley, he's been on the show. And of course, uh, Tanisha Cherry, international speaker. Uh, and she has down here, I was born uh, to lose, but I chose to win. Seven steps to reshape your destiny. Uh, Latisse Moore, a journey through a wilderness mindset, mind, a journey through a wilderness mind, definitely a book of poems that will bless you. Uh, well, she's from Flint, but has been in all of the news, uh, helping people with the water crises up there. Katrina Tillman, first lady or elect lady Katrina Tillman with her walk, the journey within, uh, David D. Harris, more than a village, a family of values. Uh, a family values recipe for success, more than a village, a family values recipe for success. Um, and then we have I Am a Genius Career Journal by Candace Cox Wimberly. couple more. I just want you guys to go out and support these people. Uh, the Truth About Superior Life, Resurrecting the Lives of African-Americans Crucified by the Lie, Linda Seats Ogletree, um, then pastor and pa uh, Linda Cease Ogletree is also a pastor. Um, Michael C. Robinson, my father's blood. He's been on the podcast. Make sure you grab that. Uh, Stick Creatures. It's a children's fictional science story. So we got to make sure we tune into the science, science, technology, engineering, arts and math uh, by Michelle Carter Glenn. Uh, let's see here. Daddy's Magic Stamp written by Anita T. Gibbs. 
And Good Day Goals, Goal Planning and Execution Workbook by Randy Rosario. Shout out to Randy. That's family. Uh, you know, you got to make it make sense. That's what Randy always tells us. And tonight, 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 I'm going to go ahead and call her internationally internationally acclaimed author. Uh, she is a wife and a mother. Uh, we grew up Fort Wayne, Indiana. Shout out. Throw up your F-dubs. Make it be known. Uh, welcome to the show, Miss Dawn J. Smith. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you so very much. Thank you. And congratulations to you on one year. One year? Yes. Yes, congrats. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. So before we jump into uh, your bio and all the awesome things you're doing, I remember when you and I were students at Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School. Yes, yeah, C prep. Definitely. C prep. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We were there, and uh, I think what was that was that fifth and sixth grade. Like, what years were you there? Uh, just sixth grade for me. Part of sixth grade. Yeah. Oh, part of sixth grade. I don't know why it seemed like you were there longer. I don't know, but I, I think about school year was so long. <laughs> oh yes, the school year. It seemed like yeah. the school year was twenty four months, and we went right? to school. I tell the kids we started school at like seven thirty and didn't get out to like four thirty or four o'clock. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, we would see each other around uh, the city. And I recall, I don't know if you remember this, but when you were at IU and I came down there for Little Five and I was down there with my cousin Greg and uh, Tarek and Jeremy, we all came down there and we were just having a good time. But I know you were down at, at IU. Yes, I was. I went to um, IU for my first two and a half years of college. Right, right. So, yeah. Good old IU. Yes, good old times. Good old times in Bloomington, Indiana. But tonight I want to introduce, let me let the world know, introduce to some, present to others. Dawn Smith is a human resource professional with a bachelor's degree in organizational leadership. Having been employed in the fields of customer service and higher education, Dawn's passion and knowledge for project management, organizational development and policies and procedures has enabled organizations to operate at its highest level of excellence. Dawn enjoys giving back to her community by working with teen girls and women. She serves in leadership roles amongst various organizations, but her most important job is that of wife to her amazing husband. Shout out to Brother Theo. I want to pause, insert there. And uh, better known as Fresh Laundry, has laundry hanging everywhere. Uh, and a mother of her two children. So, yes, Dawn, again, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. So, Dawn, help me, walk me through this. You've written this amazing book entitled Enough to uplift and inspire those who have forgotten their value. So talk to me, what prompted, what prompted you writing this book? Um, for me, it was a period of transition in my life. Um, in 2014, 2014, August, actually, um, I became a wife. Um, six months later, we found out we were pregnant um, with our daughter and that is a big transition for somebody like myself. Um, prior to getting married, um, eight years prior, I had a son. So I was a single, single mother for eight years. So the transition of going from being a single mother, doing it all of my own, on my own to being a wife, working with, um, my partner, my husband, 
um, because marriage is a partnership. So adjusting to that and then being pregnant in my 30s was was a big transition for me. Um, At the same time, my husband's career and his art was really, really taking off and just trying to figure out where all that fit in, where my dreams and my goals and aspirations still kind of fit into the bigger picture while being, you know, a homemaker, working full time, being, you know, in organizations and leadership roles and things like that. So just trying to figure out where I where I fit in, you know, that's kind of what brought that about. Oh, that's amazing. So you had all of these moving pieces. Your husband's mm-hmm. uh, art was taking off. Uh, you were pregnant. You were raising a son. You were, uh, you know, walking into uh, your wifehood as a as a as a woman. And so how was that transition? Like when you talk about being enough and you have all of these different moving parts, um, when you looked at saying the title, like give me what's the genesis of the title? Because the book is chock full with so many different affirmations, uh, thought provoking questions to cause people to reflect and to project and to answer about where they currently are. But like, where do you get the title enough? Um, For me, it was an actual battle that I've dealt with uh, for a large majority of my life. I would say most of my life was whether or not, you know, I was enough. Um, For me, it would have to go back, honestly, to my childhood. Um, I grew up in a single parent home with my mom. I have other siblings who the closest to me is six years. And, you know, most um, studies will show that in the any child that has a sibling, there's like a five-year difference. It's basically an only child. All of my siblings are way older than me. Um, and so it was just me and my mom in the household. My father was present in my life, but not on a consistent basis. Um, and for me, not having my mom around a lot due to being at work and not having a solid relationship with my father, my siblings. I was too young for them to even be worried about dealing with. They lived in other states because we have different moms or me and my brother have a different dad. So for me, it was, it, it started for me at a very young age. And I think with me, um, especially in this, you can find this with most women who have issues with self-esteem and think it comes from that absolute if they've had an absent father, you're definitely going to find that. And for me, like I said, when my father was present, there would be those times where, you know, I was told he was coming, but then not show up. And so for me, that was the, the foundation for my um, struggle with, you know, whether or not I was enough, where if my own father wasn't coming to see me, was I enough for anything? And, um, you know, from that, just, you know, struggles with insecurities about being tall. I'm a 5'11 uh, woman and being taller than everybody in the classroom early on was not, was something I was teased about, you know, or your hair too long. So you think you too good. So always kind of battling with different things on how am I enough to fit in with anybody? And for me, it was a huge struggle because um, I wasn't really affirmed a lot as a child. And so that's, where, you know, the title Enough comes from, where I began to, you know, during that transition of, you know, everything that was going on in my life brand new, you know, I was becoming a wife, I was raising a new child with no longer on my own, something I knew about, but having to partner with somebody and just being enough in that transition of, um, you know, just dealing with that was where that title came from. 
That's good. So uh, you said a lot there. And I think that uh, let's unpack it a little when you talked about uh, not receiving a lot of affirmation as a child, not, you know, uh, certain adults or your dad's inconsistency in showing up when he said he would show up. Like at what at what age do you remember uh, like making a decision or do you remember at any age like fully confronting like the source of um, either low self-esteem or, or having not and not having enough esteem to see yourself as God sees you. Like when did that revelation or that epiphany hit you? Honestly, it was um, probably just before I started writing this book, honestly, um, because I spent so much of my life, honestly, trying to get acceptance from people that I really lost myself. Like I, did not ever think that I was enough in a sense. There was something wrong or if, you know, I'm very, I'm a very sensitive kind of um, person and, you know, I don't like situations where I don't make people happy. And so for me, that meant I had to change myself. And um, so honestly, right before I started writing this book, I literally broke down and cried out to God, like, Lord, what, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? What is it that I'm not getting? And I literally felt that I no longer could really hear God's voice because I had allowed so many external, you know, forces and and voices to tell me who I was. So honestly, probably right before I decided to write this book and really confront those issues. And I think that that stands to be illuminated because there are so many people who are doing well in life who you know uh have the you know two the the son the daughter the marriage you know right. i don't know if yeah i don't know if you have a dog in the picket fence but i do know yeah, no. no yeah no dog okay all right but no you know and, and no picket fence but essentially what i'm saying is like a lot of people will say hey you live in the dream and there are still some uh internal things that we must confront that date back to our childhood. Uh, there's a whole huge talk about uh, mental health and, you know, being able to, um, you know, self-regulate, understand, and all of that starts with self-awareness. And I think that is brave. So I want to take the time to commend you for doing the introspective work that it takes to be self-aware, right? And one of the good things is as we get ready to, you know, venture down the book enough, I want people to take courage uh, to examine their life. So when I think about enough, I also think about, uh, you know, the drawing board, you know, being able to go to the drawing board uh, to examine your life and to reimagine the possibilities. So I think at this time, what I really am curious about, I'm going to go to one of the, the quotes that Let's see, I'm turning here and it says, I am accepting my I am accepting of myself. I am set apart for greatness uh, that I am accepting of myself. Like, how do you get to that point when you do have all of these competing voices and you have all of these experiences and, you know, there are relationships that you end up conforming to what it is that they need. And then when you have outlived your need in their life, then that is another point of rejection. Like, how do you get to a point of self-acceptance? I think you just have to get to a point where you're just tired, being tired, you know? Like, you said really, when enough is enough, huh? 
enough is like really enough is enough and i i'm like i said i'm very transparent and just to touch back on something that you said about you know realizing and doing that self discovery um for me when I say I'm transparent, I'm being I'm transparent. So I would be the one that, you know, if I'm going through something, I 100% believe that nothing that I go through is just for me. So I'm the one that's like, okay, let me share this on, you know, Facebook. Let me call a friend and say, you know, just in case somebody else is dealing with it. Or look, I'm legit trying to find an answer to this. And in today's society, I think it's so looked down upon to be vulnerable. And because of the lack of, you know, I guess not approval, but I guess the safe feeling that people get when they're feeling vulnerable, people sometimes shy away from that. And I definitely, like you say, encourage people to do that self-discovery. So for me, accepting myself and knowing that I'm set apart for greatness, I know deep down who I am. You know, and I take that back to my foundation growing up. You know, I was raised in the church. I read my Bible, and I knew where I needed to get back to. For me, you know, I had tried to do it in my own strength, honestly, because I didn't, I wasn't hearing God's voice about myself. So I had to go back to where I knew and literally just Google search. You can Google anything. Google search. What does God say about me? And you will come up with all kinds of scriptures and things. And for me, I had to change my mindset. I know I go back to a book that I read as, you know, a young teen, um, Joyce Myers, um, Battlefield of the Mind, and just really having a different mindset and starting to kind of affirm myself. When nobody else was affirming me, affirming myself, like, Dawn, this is what you've done good. Like, I literally would start writing down, instead of always thinking about the bad that I thought I was doing, but starting to write down the good and accepting who I was. That's good, Dawn, because I think that a lot of people are waiting for somebody else to prophesy or speak over their life when we have been given the power to speak over our own lives, the word of God. And of course, that doesn't replace or counteract. It totally aligns with having a pastor and a preacher and somebody to speak the word of God. But you got to get that word for yourself. And I think that enough illuminates what I was aiming at and I, what I know that you're sharing and I hope people are getting is that your relationship with God, when you had had enough, when you had exhausted uh, everything that you knew to do, like you went to God, you you sought out and you begin to affirm yourself based upon the word of God. Yeah. 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 And so. Yeah. And so that is that is amazing. So those that are listening, like you've you've tried everybody else's voice and even and here's the thing, they can only affirm you to the point of which they know you. So there are a lot of people that will speak things um, that they may know from themselves. And generally, when people go to affirm you, if they're not speaking the word of God over your life, they can only affirm you from their position of confidence. And yeah, and if you're relying on their confidence and they have some shortcomings, like there's 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 things that get through the filter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when when you look at uh, your, you know, our parents, when you look at our friendships, when you look at our past relationships, even our marriage, like if it is not built on the word of God, then some of those little character pieces come through our conversations and they may not be the most reliable. Right. 
And I think, too, it's important that, you know, part of me from my journey was accepting that even though I did things outside of the typical order that God has planned, such as I had a child before marriage, you know, things, certain things that I've struggled with and dealt with, even as, you know, Theo and I, who's my husband, as we first entered in marriage, you know, I came from a single parent home. He came from a two parent home. So therefore, there are different things that we had to adjust to and learn how to be married in our home. You know, there's things that you bring in from that relate from those teachings and things that you got that may not work for your home with your spouse that wasn't grown didn't grow up with you. And so me having a child before, I had to then readjust and relearn the things, you know, on how to be a parent with a spouse, you know, and so when things are done kind of out of order, you can tend to or by society's order or even, you know, how you were raised or through religion or things like that, you kind of can find yourself questioning your worth. And for me, that was the the, source, the main source of that for me. Because I had did things outside of expectations. You know what's interesting uh, about that, Dawn? And I, I, what's your thought on this? Because if we look at the word uh, holy, uh, not holy, H-O-L, why, but holy as in W-H-O-L-L-Y, the word holy is based upon the love of God, right? And the love of God for us in every situation. And I wonder why so many people have a difficulty with accepting that God loves us even when we may, like, violate what he commands. Because I think, yeah, I think there are, and I would love for you to speak to that, like, why do so many people struggle with embracing the love of God? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, because there's so many different aspects for that. And I just, I think just keeping outside things and this, like I said, in today's society, you got social media, you got different TV shows and different things that are, we're being exposed to, to where it can easily, you know, crowd our own judgment and our own mind and just, I mean, I can't really speak to how other people can, but for me, I know it's about being intentional about my relationship with God, making sure that I, no matter how busy I get, spend some time in the word, you know, spend some time talking to God, like I said, reaffirming myself, staying true to what I believe and you know, not just taking on everything that somebody says. I think that that's another thing we have because we have so many of those outside sources. It's real quick to log on to Facebook and see, you know, this person talking about this and spreading their belief. And it can kind of get into you if you don't guard yourself and, you know, gear yourself up with the word of God on your own. And it's so easy to get distracted with those different things. And so I think it's very important also, and I talk about this in the book, is identifying those things that are distractions and trying to remove yourself from them, especially if they're getting you off purpose and getting you off task. Right. So talk about those distractions. What are some examples of that? Like, I know you said social media, some outside voices. What are some? Give us, identify. Let's let's dismantle the enemy. What are these distractions? Um. I, I would think, like for me, for instance, um, in my position, I'm currently a supervisor. I was, I just got into this position probably about a year ago, year and a half ago or so. And for me, 
it was real easy to be like, okay, I'm in this career path here on my job. It's real. I don't need to worry about worrying about uh, writing my book because I've got this to focus on. I need to focus on that. So to me, that's something that could be a distraction. For me early on, um, as I started writing the book, this book actually took me three years to write. Um, it took me three years to write because you know, while I work all day, I come home, deal with the children and their things, and I would create time and make sure my husband could work on his things. I did his his goals and his artwork. I didn't create that time for myself. I allowed, you know, different things to be a distraction or different organizations I'm a part of, giving my all to that and not giving my all to my to my own goals. Or, you know, like I said before, making sure I'm everything to everybody else and making sure I'm making everyone else happy, that could become a distraction. That became a distraction for me as far as finishing this book. Okay. Those are some, you know, those are just just some examples that can be distractions. And listen, and most people um, that are within our age group or older or even some that are younger have that. They have like dreams and goals, aspirations, And they have to balance that with work and family. And what is some of the suggestions you have? Because it sounds like you had a structure, you had a schedule, uh, but then you had to make some other times to allow your purpose to live and breathe and do those things that you endeavor to do. So what would be your suggestion uh, very practically on how someone in your same position could make sure that they give time for themselves? Um, I would definitely say find you that one person, a couple of people that you feel comfortable telling your dreams and goals to that can hold you accountable. I know in in this society it's so easy to be like, no, I'm not telling folks my dreams and my goals because they might try to steal my idea. Nothing that is for you can be stolen. God can give an idea to to give me an idea and give you the same idea, but the sauce I put on it is going to be different than the sauce you put on it. You understand what I'm saying? So finding those people that can hold you accountable. For me, it was, you know, a couple of my friends. I have my husband um, that can hold me, that held me accountable. Like, okay, so when we writing this book, when we going to finish this or finish that? And surrounding yourself with people who are go-getters in, them, in their own right. Um, recently, like I said, it took me three years it took me meeting a new friend here recently that is like just boom pumping out goals to be like, okay, I can't be hanging around them and I'm sitting here on my on my own thing. And ultimately what sparked and I actually talked about this uh Saturday at my uh, book signing event when we my husband and I attended your drawing board event to which he was a speaker. Oh man, and, listen. Can, can yeah, when that, huh? he did it. He did an amazing job. He did. He did. He did all the time. Yes. But when we attended your event, as I sat in the audience and I walked, I watched him and people like Randy Rosario and different people get up there. I literally found myself sitting in the audience in tears and almost envious. But then God checked me real quick and said, how can you be envious when you literally are sitting on your purpose out of fear of what somebody's going to think? Mm. And literally, we left there on that Saturday. By that Monday, I began writing the rest of this book and finished it by the end of that week because I was determined to get it done. This book started out as literally, um, you know, where it has like the daily affirmation where it says like, today I'm determined to achieve greatness. It was that and some lines for people to write in. But I knew over that three-year period I had to go deeper. Me going deeper meant I had to really get to the root of 
the things that were still hurting me because, you know, there's things that you get, you think that you're over, but then life situations such as, you know, maybe a new marriage, a new job, or having a child start bringing different things back up. And I literally sought counseling and a therapist to work through those things. And I knew that there was more that I had to get out for people to really get this book and to really work through these things. So then that's how the questions came about. The, like the ones that don't nobody want to ask themselves, those deep diving questions. Yes. And um, the affirmations and the rest of the quote. So, you know, that's just, that's kind of how that happened. Yes. And listen, let me tell you, uh, there were so many people that complimented your family, um, you know, when you guys were at the drawing board experience. And sometimes it just takes that, that, that environment or that catalyst mm-hmm. to get it done. I mean, to get that spark going. And uh, what I love about it is in the midst of that, like your support never waned uh, for your husband. You know what I mean? Right. And I yeah. think that I think that that takes a grace uh, when you talk. When, when I heard you talking about uh, the things that you set out to do. And what some people could look at and say, oh, man, that's enough. You know, like, hey, you're a wife and a mother and you are a supervisor on your job and you guys are doing well. And, you know, but there was there's so much more inside of you, Dawn, um, that I love seeing being birthed in this book. And when you speak about the difficult questions, a lot of times we can get to the brink of success. Like we have every ingredient needed, like you had every ingredient needed to write the book. But here's one of the one. Here's one of the deep questions you ask in the book. Uh, Well, I'm going to go in the succession of how you have it in order. So the declaration here is today I will overcome every difficulty set before me. And then the, the probing questions are what things have I allowed to hold me back from things I wish to achieve? That's huge. Like be yeah. to be honest in that moment. So for those that are listening in, like be honest in that moment. It's just you and God or you and you're sitting there with the book. Be honest. What things right. have you allowed? That's the operative word there. Have you allowed to hold you back from things you went wish to achieve? Then the next question you have here, Dawn, is have I taken part in self-sabotaging behavior? Because. What do you think about this? Some people are afraid of what success would look like in their life. Like they envision it, but they're afraid of the responsibility of it. Speak to that. What do you think about that? Why people self-sabotage? I think for me, it was a matter of, Will it, number one, will it be accepted? How will people see me? And more so for me, not for me, so much me, but for me, my spouse. In this book, I talk about like these, I talk about these type of questions. And I also reveal that I've gone to a therapist, that I've suffered with depression and anxiety, different things like that. And so sometimes you kind of not blame other people, but kind of, you know, be like, if I do this, this result will come and it will be bad. Or um, other self-sabotaging behavior that can happen um, is just, I think for me was just trying to justify, okay, I need to be a wife. I need to help him with this. Like Theo could probably attest to this and say, 
Um, Dawn will help do anything. Anybody that knows me, I will help anybody else achieve their goal, their goal. But when it came to my own, even with planning my book signing or different things like that, it was hard for me to ask for help. So not going to people for help, not um, making time for what I, my goals and what I needed to do were self-sabotaging behavior. Okay, that's good. So seeing the need, recognizing it, and then reaching mm-hmm. out for the support that you may need. Now, right. were, were you ever a social worker at any time? No, I was not. No, you give me like this social worky vibe. You know, like uh, maybe it's just. I worked for the welfare office, but I wasn't a social worker. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, uh, it's just like that uh, servant leadership. That's what I'm picking up. And uh, a servant leader sometimes is so apt at helping other people's other people actualize and manifest their mm-hmm. dreams. And then uh, they find some satiety in that. But at the end of the day, they still are responsible for birthing what God put inside of them. And I thank, thank God that you had the courage to step out on faith, uh, because as you say here on that same page, embrace struggle and overcome difficulty. So now, yeah, yeah you talk about, um, you know, uh, mental health. You talk about anxiety and depression and some of those different difficulties that you're overcoming and processing through like how, where, where do you think for, um, and you can speak of course for yourself, but like a lot of people uh, will be able to identify, like, what do you think the, the, like the root of that is like the root of, uh, and it may be different for each person, but like for anxiety and depression and those, those types of, um, you know, challenges that people encounter. Um, I think that um, for people, especially probably like in our generation and and before us, um, not talking, not communicating, I think is a big root of that. Um, And for me, I know with my children, my son is 15, my daughter is three, she'll be four on Saturday. And I'm very intentional about the conversations that I have with them. I'm very intentional about my words with them. Um, I make sure that I affirm them. I don't shy away from saying I love you to them. I don't shy away from giving them hugs. I, you know, make sure, like, I'd rather sit and watch a movie with my child than be like, hey, did you do your chores? Because that, to me, is a very, that love and that environment of um, allowing them to communicate and have open dialogue and open conversation is very important to the adult that they will be. You know, we grew up in generations where children were seen and not heard. You didn't ask questions. You didn't ask your parents why. Um, you just did things. And I know that for me, that type of environment was not that, you know, I had bad parents or anything, but that's how they were raised. And it was just, you did what you were told, where for me, it made me grow up to be an adult that kind of questioned everything or needed the approval of someone else before I made a move. With my son, sometimes I always jokingly say, sometimes I maybe allowed him to ask too many questions, but I believe that by me allowing him to ask questions or me giving a reason behind why I told him no or I told him yes for something is why he is 15 years old about to write his first book about this exact subject, you know, about how teens deal with different things like this and he can make those decisions on his own as a sophomore in high school at a school where, you know, drugs and things may be prevalent or, you know, different things in society are telling him, 
as a, you know, six foot one size 16 shoe wearing African-American boy, what he shouldn't be. He's able to say, no, I can do this and have that confidence in himself. Woo, size 16. Oh, let me pray for your yeah, budget. Pray let for me pray wife. for pray the for budget. Wife. Stretch your hands right now. Size 16, <laughs> shoe, Lord. No, but yeah, that is, that is amazing. So now the Smith family is just writing, writing books and Let's let's go and hanging and hanging yeah. laundry yeah, everywhere. Our second, the second book is actually going to be me and my son. We're writing a teen version of this. So like just before I put this out, I was talking to my son about putting it out, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think about doing a teen version?" He was like, "Sure." And within literally five minutes, he has sent me like fifteen topics of things that he, as a teen, him and his friends talk about and deal with. So we will be coming out with a teen version of this book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the enough teen yeah. version. That because yes. children are dealing with a lot more things than any generation has had to encounter. The rate mm-hmm. uh at which they receive information uh is a lot faster than we ever could have imagined. So right. and what's interesting is they are confronted with things that they aren't yet mature enough to process. But they still have thoughts about them that need to be expressed, you know. And as you were saying, uh, I heard Bishop Jake say this. It was powerful. He said that as a young man, uh, he would go in the kitchen when his mother was, you know, preparing the meal. And he would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And he would continue to talk. And he said he knew uh, and he was doing some reflecting that his mother listening to him at that point gave value to his voice so that when he stood before other people, he didn't have to question whether what he said had value. Wow. That's, that's a mouthful right there. Yeah. Because when, you know, when your parents, you know, as you do with your children, as you expressed, when you allow them to speak to you and you allow for their voice to have value and, and have influence in some of the decisions that are made, not all of them, uh, because, again, that maturity value, that life experience uh, component, but some of the things that they can begin to process and make decisions on, like you have to allow them to do that because they can't just turn 18 and now you expect for them to go out and think critically and make sound decisions and use deductive logic when it comes to, you know, right. that doesn't just happen, right? Those are skills right. that have to be taught. And it starts, as you say, with letting them know actually that what they are expressing at that moment, that they are enough. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I have been thumbing through the book and pulling out all of these different affirmations. I approve of myself and love myself and deeply and com- and completely. That's good, too. I mean, I'm just yes. yeah, deeply and completely. That, yeah. And that's one that, you know, I still repeat daily like this is a book that I go back to on a regular basis even though I wrote it there's still things that I deal with or you know have to remind myself about you know as a kid you know people are like oh you're you're cute this and this and that but if you don't believe it in your own mind it's hard to really to really believe you know to really accept it and so that is definitely something that I go back to every day that at situations you know at, at work or at home you know, kind of break it down a little bit, you got to build yourself back up. So just making sure that I know that no matter what somebody may say, I love me. 
I have to love me. If Theo decides he don't want me no more, I still got to love me. <laughs> All of these pictures that he's painting in the likeness and image of you, yeah, right. <laughs> See, I, that's the thing. He doesn't get to do a lot of them. I, I refuse to let him him paint me. He did one when I uh, crossed Delta. Right. He did my Delta painting for me. And um, other ones, and it, just speaking on that, it even goes with the quote. When we first started dating and got married, when he would be like, you are so beautiful, I would cringe because just hearing him say that, like, I felt that I needed to say something. So like, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just all right. You know, something like that to kind of dumb myself down and not be okay with my husband telling me, you're beautiful to me. You know, pregnant and all, or, yeah. you know, you know how women look after they first had a baby and everything stretched out and everything, just being okay with that and letting someone compliment me. So yes. that is something that, you know, we as we age and go through life, you got to remind yourself, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, listen, not just cool. You know, you're beautiful. And what's, right. what's interesting is that... Um, a lot of people struggle, uh, you know, I mean, you could say, hey, man, listen, you know, you're looking sharp today and they'll find a way to discount. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Oh, I only paid this and that for the show. You're like, hold on. Just like right. just embrace, like em- embrace the compliment. What key? Right. I wonder what keeps people. And again, it goes back to like for me, when I think about enough, like when when God fashioned you and he made you a masterpiece. And of course, we are applying our faith here. Like to not see yourself as beautiful uh, is a criticism to God's creation. And like and God created all things and he looked at it and he said it was what he said it was good. So, I mean, yeah, we could your book could be there are so many sermon topics in here that you can preach from. And I look at it. uh, What I what I loved about getting the book, what I love about like watching you and your family and seeing how, you know, you're progressing as a woman, a wife, a mother, an author. And I just look at uh, I love to see people that I grew up with, uh, that we shared the same streets, that our feet hit the same concrete, that we played on the same jungle gyms. When I see you all, when I see, you know, people we grew up with, when I see you all win, like I feel like it's a win for me. You know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. man, my girl is out here killing it. And we don't talk Thank every you. day. And, you know, that's not something we do. I may comment on your status, uh, but I feel like deeply uh, connected to to uh, your success because I got a chance to watch you mature and grow and and develop. And it was just like, man, you know, I'm glad that she is out here killing the game, because once you put a book out there and, you know, this is out here for life, like this becomes, you know, the standard that, you know, years from now, generations from now, people you may never get a chance to meet who might be struggling with their self-esteem. And what I, what, what I particularly love, and I want you to speak to, um, there is a time where you can have a sense of value and worth of who you are, self-worth or self-awareness. Uh, and life's trauma and pain has a way of contorting that image. It can change the way you view yourself, or it can take like uh, the entrance of one damaging word can begin to, uh, change the shape of who you see in the mirror so when you say to uplift and inspire this is the operative word for me those who have forgotten right yeah that like that it wasn't just to help inspire people to discover who they are and like you know okay that's cool and so when i thought about your book don i thought about 
what does and this is what I ask when I read any book, uh, but this is what I asked about. Like I kind of asked within myself. I said, what does her book add to the conversation of self-help, self-help and self-value? Like, that's what I wonder. Like, what makes what differentiates her book? And I think for me, like that, that portion of it, when I got a chance to look through the affirmations, like this is where uh, I feel like the differentiating value for me was there are portions where you can forget, like you can go through life circumstances and it can cause you to forget who you knew you were or whose you were. Like life could be smashing you and you can forget. So again, contextualizing it that way, Dawn, you've done a stellar job at producing this journal. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, you know, with this, I hope what different differentiates this book from other, because I've, you know, I've looked and I'm like, okay, I don't want my book to be like just a daily quote journal that people just look at and it just gives them those happy feelings. I want people to literally dive in and really ask themselves those very hard questions because sometimes, like you said, you don't have that person that can cheer you on to help you get through situations. So you have to be real with yourself and understand what role you played. In, in some of the situations that you've been in. And once you've understood the role you've played, it's very difficult for other folks to be able to come in and change your perception or your perspective and your perception of yourself in your situation. Like I, there's a, I think I saw a quote maybe a couple of weeks ago on Facebook that once you've told your story and you've owned your truth, nobody can hurt you with it. Absolutely. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, what my mom used to tell me Done uh, back in the day, you know, when still dancing in showdowns and star quest and all of that, uh, she would say, now listen up, boy. She would say, there are going to be people who talk about you. She said, there are going to be people who spread rumors about you. She said, neither confirm nor deny because the person who's asking the question has already resolved in their mind what the truth is. Exactly. And then she said, exactly. uh, she added on to that. She said, now listen, at least don't let 90% of the rumors be true. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so yeah, it comes down to that personal responsibility. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder who profits from your dysfunction. Like that is, that's a question that I have. Uh, and I just think like who in your life profits from you being sick? And mm. could it be that your sickness is what empowers their position in your life? Like when, yeah. and I think that this, like for me, like I'm like, man, this book has a way of like revolutionizing uh, the way, like it changes the lens of people's perspective of themselves by causing them to confront their hurting areas, right? So, right, right. yeah, so I just think about that because like you talk about the roles we play, like so many people like look to roles to add value. So it, if you weren't valuable before you were a wife, uh, you're still going to find some diminished returns in that experience. So like being a wife is still not going to be enough. Um, exactly. If, you know, and if if you found yourself still not valuing yourself, like prior to being uh, a mother, uh, you end up overcompensating in the relationship with your child and your child ends up, uh, you know, underdeveloped because they never got a chance to hone the skills of, of self-sufficiency because you needed to satisfy right. yourself by taking care of them. So you still won't see yourself as enough. Uh, and so like, exactly. I'm just like, man, this has, like, I look forward to the speaker series of enough. 
like I know you did the the panel. I saw the panel um, yes. at the the release, and I'm like, oh man, I would have loved to gotten like when I looked at it, I was like, I would have loved to gotten like the texture of that experience. It, it was an amazing experience. Like I mentioned to you before the call, I I'm very much a logistic, strategic person where I place expectations on things, and with this, I literally spent. From the time I dropped the book and I knew I was going to have a book signing, I prayed over the event, and that was basically it. You know, I did the basic stuff like planning, this is where I want to have it at, things like that. But I spent a lot of time in prayer because I wanted the atmosphere, like even down to how we set everything up, I wanted it to be comfortable, I wanted it to be safe, and I wanted people to begin the healing process. That's why with this book, um, while I went to therapy, it took me years to get to that point. And everybody may not be at that point, but starting with the this book and questions within this book may get someone to that point um, where they feel comfortable to do that. So throughout the, the day, um, of course, you know, I did the basic talk at the beginning of why I wrote the book, things like that. But then the panel was very strategic, even in who I placed on the panel, panel because I needed people who are going to want to be transparent, who are willing to share their truth. Um, in order to help others. And so um, the panel consisted of myself and three others. Um, and we basically talked about the book and we talked about, you know, the quotes and affirmations and things and questions that stood out to them. We had, you know, of course, audience participation asked for anonymous questions. We had a lot of people who asked questions openly, but just the atmosphere, I feel, and just the the beginnings of healing that I believe took place that day and will continue on i mean i'm just excited and ready to do whatever god has to ha- has for me to do if it's speaking somewhere else about it and helping others i'm here you know i'm, I'm a willing vessel so okay great great i'm looking like i'm looking forward to it because i think that if people will be honest everyone has struggled with with the question of you know, am I enough? So this is what I did, Dawn. I asked myself, mm-hmm. I was like, where where have, where did I struggle where I, I asked the question, like, am I enough? You know, where where did I, like, did I ever ask that question? Did I ever have those feelings? And I have not gone through the entire journal yet because I want to take my time and be able to, you know, really get into some deep thought. Um, mm-hmm. But I, re- I, re- I remember, I was like, man, I remember when I questioned uh, you know, was I enough uh, is when I was in law school and I was working 40 hours and still active in ministry. And I really completed undergrad for the purpose of going to law school. So undergrad was right. like, OK, let's get this done. So, you know, I can go to law school. Right. And I didn't perform that well on my LSAT. And uh, but I still got into law school and I was in law school. So, hey, I'm living the dream. I'm almost through L1, um, and uh, we find out that we are pregnant. Amazing time, right? Oh, man, this is great. But now I'm embarking upon a journey of, like, am I enough to, like, raise a child? Because I have not seen a father do this, like, up close and personal. And then I had uh, some challenges with law school, so I had to come out of law school. So, yeah, yeah, it was like, man, I had I never even considered finances because I was just like, yo, I'm going to be, you know, I had figured out I was going to be a corporate lawyer. And it wasn't even based upon like it wasn't that I had a passion for corporate law, taxation or anything like that. I looked at it and I found that, 
Next to international law, corporate law was the next <laughs> the next section that made the right. biggest money, right? So, right. Uh, man, I was struggling financially, and, you know, we had a child on the way, and I had to leave my dream of completing law school. And so it felt like all of the plans that I had um, – it was falling. It was, it seemed like it was the best of times and the worst of times. Right. right. And here's what I, what, what I begin to think about as I wrote here. And the Lord told me that every, uh, every area of prosperity in your life is attached to a voice. Right. Mm. And every area of struggle is also attached to a voice, even if it's your own. And so I was like, yeah, that was like, oh, okay, Lord. And so he was like, in that situation, and it it coincides with the book. He was like, in that situation, you struggle with seeing yourself as enough because you wouldn't turn your perspective on the fact that I was developing your character to get ready to carry more ministry. And I was like, man, could it be that the areas where we struggle with where we are enough that those are that is really the platform for our greatest level of impact on the world. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that because, like, even um, as I got into my supervisor role, like I'm a very much a fixer. Like I said, project management, lean, that's my thing. And so when I came into my role, I immediately was like, okay, we got to fix this. This will help this work work better. Everything else. And then I'm hitting hitting wall after wall after wall. And for me, it was it could have been a period of, you know, actually it was a period of, okay, this is not the role for me. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to find another job. And I had a mentor here at my company that literally was like, you are in this role because there's something that God needs you to get. There are going to be times where you're going to have to go through things that are uncomfortable because there's something greater on the other side. There's something greater that God needs you to work through or work through you so that you can go to somewhere else to the end to the end destiny where he has. In the book, one of the quotes that are is, I will never be enough for a role I am not designed to play. It's not my job to determine my ability. So if you're looking into every role or everything that you do for something to like that, like it's your ultimate end, or it's something to get out something out of it in order to only benefit you. You're gonna feel inadequate. You're gonna feel as if you're not enough. Absolutely. So, Dawn, tell us where we can find the book, where we can get in touch with you, your social media handles. Where can we find you at? Okay, um, you can find me on Facebook at author Dawn J Smith, on Instagram at Enough Journal. And the book can be purchased on Amazon.com. You just simply type in enough to uplift and inspire those who have forgotten their value. It can also be purchased online at BarnesandNoble.com as well as Target.com. Awesome. Well, Dawn, I thank you for being my guest. You are the second guest of the year. Um, and we talked about some very powerful things here. I have to have you back on the show. And when you guys are in the Detroit area, I would love to have you and Theo uh, on the show. And I'll have my wife on the show and we'll sit and we'll talk. Maybe we'll do it around uh, Drawing Board 2020. would love to have you guys come up. Uh, the Drawing okay. Board. Yeah, absolutely. The Drawing Board 2020 will be June 6, 2020. The theme is the power of vision. See your way clear. And tonight what we want you to see is that you are enough. 
to, and guess what? You're going to uplift and inspire someone else when you truly discover who God called you to be. This is the Drawing Board Podcast. I thank God for Dawn being on the show, one of my childhood friends coming on. And again, I told you that your future is not behind you. It is not, it is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And it's just a matter of time. God bless you.